Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. Celebrating the amazing people of coastal Mississippi and across this great state who are working hard to make this a great place to live, work, and play. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are making this such a great place to live, work, and play. Started to show up with a little frog in my throat. Anyway, it's I uh, hope you're having a great day. Uh, listen, I don't have any big quotes or speeches to give today. Today is a little bit of a celebration of, uh, of what makes Coastal Mississippi so special. Uh, my friend Louis Scrametta, who leads the Ship Island Excursions uh, effort, and uh, he and his family, multiple generations of work. We've, we've had him on to tell the entire story of the Scrametta's commitment to the ferrying business to Ship Island. But we'll get into all this here in just a second. Before we go any further, let me welcome my friend, Lewis, back to Koshi, or to the Ricky Matthews Show. I've got to get that in my head. We've changed the name, and I've been doing pretty good. But every now and then, I still say Koshi. But how you doing, my friend? Hey, thanks for having me. It's good. Where are you located right now? I'm in Pelican Cay Condos overlooking beautiful Deer Island right now. Yeah, good, good. Well, man, listen, it's been a it's been a kind of normal spring, really, from a weather point of view, hasn't it? Well, you know, we were rained out just about every weekend this spring. We had some pretty strong weather storms and every weekend that we depend on in the spring, believe it or not, was was pretty rough. Our numbers were down because of the weather. But now we're having this run of wonderful weather and it's incredible. Our ridership is up and just been wonderful to ride the you know the, with the uh, seas calm and no storms and cool weather it really brings the tourists out. Yeah, what's interesting when you look at I I didn't think of it when I said that about the spring. I'm thinking about it in terms of the work that we're doing up in the Delta to get to, you know the spring work we're doing at our camp up in the Delta. And the amount of rain has not been as great as it was in the years past and whatever. But you're right on weekends. I mean, to, it's not about it's not about you know what's the total look like. It's when the bad weather happened for you was not actually in a good spot, was it? No, and everybody has a smartphone now. They can look at the weather and listen to these weather forecasts, and they make their decisions on whether to go out on a boat that weekend and or go to a beach in Gulf Shores or stay in you know Hattiesburg or whatever. But um, we depend heavily on the weather, obviously. Hey, listen, uh, for people who have not heard you and me talk before, let's just let's uh, give them a little bit of an overview of the Ship Islands Excursions Company and the boats that you have and you know, a little bit about your business. Yeah, my grandfather started transporting people out to the island, actually the Isle of Caprice, which is no longer out there, as you know, washed away in 1931. But he was part of a, a group of people working with uh, the hotelier that opened up the Buena Vista Hotel in 1926. And they were transporting patrons out to the island, and that became a profitable uh, operation for him. When the island washed away, he turned over to uh, East Ship Island, bought some property, believe it or not, on East Ship Island, started hauling passengers out there. And then in 33, the American Legion, who had just leased Fort Massachusetts, 
came to him and said, hey, we want you to bring your tourists to the new uh, fishing camp. We've opened it up here next to the fort. We want to get some tourists from Biloxi. And that's how I got started on a handshake with the American Legion in 1933. And it's been in our family ever since. It's incredible. You've got, uh, you've got some nostalgic boats still, and you've got some new boats. Give, give people a sense of your fleet. Yes. Well, we, we recently retired the old Pan American Clipper, uh, the wooden boat that we had since 1937. It was launched in 1937. We recently retired her uh, during the pandemic uh, and then the uh, hurricane that followed. We were shut down for two years. I don't know if you remember that or not, but we were, we were, had a really rough time. And the boat was just sitting. We weren't using the boat. We have two larger vessels that now are our primary uh, vessels for transporting folks to the island. But we did retire the Pan American Clipper. She's in Ocean Springs. We turned her over to a gentleman that has uh, loves wooden boats and wanted to restore and keep the history going. But we moved on. We've got uh, two 110-foot aluminum passenger vessels, a 300-passenger carrying capacity. And uh, they can get you out to Ship Island in under an hour, which is wonderful. And uh, very stable, fast, and uh, comfortable boats. But... Um, yeah, we've um, we're, we've been really fortunate uh, to have these boats right now. Uh, we're carrying record numbers of people right now, averaging about 300 people a day out to the island. That that's incredible. Listen, man, you and I go back a long way. We've worked on important issues together along the way. Um, back when I was just a young guy, and you were a young guy, you were a young captain, kind of doing your thing, just like the other others in your family along the way. Uh, I would always stop at, at Ship Island on my way back from fishing, and this is year after year, almost every single weekend, and we would say hello to each other and visit a little bit. And um, it's funny that even even these days, when we're anywhere near Ship Island, we'll we'll uh, we'll go we'll take a buzz closer to the beach to get a sense of how many people are on the beach. And man, it is a lot more. There's a lot more people there than there used to be. I mean, you can tell you you are toting some people to that island. Well, people have discovered the um, those beautiful natural beaches out there. That green water love love for they love it for swimming and shelling and uh, with social media, that's really been a change changer for us. And um, it's it's just more like Florida. It's more like you know coastal Alabama. It's. Uh, when you get out there, it's it can be so beautiful, so clear. The waves, uh, picking up picking up crabs, fishing, just enjoying being there. It's just a it's just a wonderful place, isn't it? I love to watch the tourists get off of our boat and walk down the pier, and all of a sudden they're pointing down the water. They're actually seeing fish swim. You know, bat rays and sheephead, and you know the other fish that that uh, spade fish and. They love it, you know, and then they, they understand, that, hey, this is different from the Biloxi Beach. This is something special out here, and especially when the wind's up and we have the surf breaking on the Gulf Beach. People love to play in the surf, of course. Yeah. You know, it's uh, I know you never forget it, but it may be easy to forget because time has a way of healing. But gosh, man, you, you go back to how resilient that island is, how resilient your company is. The, the number of times that pier has been damaged or completely destroyed, the number of times they've had to rebuild the, the, the structures on that island. Um, there's so many stories to tell, aren't there? Oh, my God. My grandfather used to rebuild a pier on his own with the Pan American Clipper. 
And my dad, I remember in the 60s, my father rebuilding the pier after Betsy and then wiped out after Camille. He had just built a new, beautiful new restaurant up on pylons next to the fort. Spent about, I think he told me he spent about $45,000 cash that he had in his savings to build this new facility restaurant next to the fort. And then, of course, Camille came, it was in 67. And two years later, Camille destroyed it and they had to start all over again, new pier and that's at the time the Park Service took over, as you recall, in 1971, that Gulf Islands National Seashore was established. And it was really a lifesaver for us because we were at a point where we just couldn't handle the infrastructure on the island anymore. As you remember, um, I was when I was publisher of the Sun-Herald, I worked uh, in partnership with George Logel. I was the first president of the new organization at the time, the Friends of the Gulf Islands National Seashore. And our role was to rebuild the Ship Island Lighthouse. And you go back and look at the documentary of that. My young kids were out in the U.S. forest, you know, cutting down those old pines that, that served as the uh, legs for the for the Ship Island Lighthouse. And we worked with CBs to get it built. And we had, uh, you know, we had the Coast Guard work with us to position the cupola there. I mean, just so many great stories. And as soon as we get done with that, <laughs> Katrina hits. All right. What? Just, it's incredible how many uh, how many times we've had to regroup. Oh, it was it was tragic. You know, we had the uh, we were hauling the CBs out there to build it, and they were they were training on that on that uh, structure. George Slogel had the original blueprints from the uh, 1885 architect, and uh, what a wonderful structure! And it was so beautiful to have that just to have it rebuilt after it was burned down in '72. But now we have the uh, reproduction of the lighthouse in the Gulfport Harbor, which is a really it's a beautiful uh, structure and a mainstay of the Gulfport Harbor at Jones Park now. It is. It is. It's great. <clears throat> Again, <clears throat> excuse me, thanks to the vision of George Slogel, happened to be mayor during some critical times. Um, the thought of, okay, do we go back out there and rebuild that again and run the risk of having it be washed away again? And I guess the decision, you know, ultimately the decision was, was to, let's don't pour all that energy. It was a long, incredible project where we were, as you pointed out, trying to be authentic to the original plans, literally to the point of cutting the trees down and having them, having the lumber made from the trees that we cut down. I mean, it was a it was a, just a hell of a process. And again, the CBs, as you pointed out, and as I mentioned, such an important partner. But now that we've got that that, sh that lighthouse there for everyone to enjoy, it's uh, it's kind of it's created a wonderful sense of place in, in the harbor, and you get to see it every single day, don't you? That's right. We Our dock is located right next to it, so it's perfect when people call in. Where are you located? Just look for the lightship on the lighthouse. <laughs> that is right. Hey, listen, when we come back on the other side, we'll continue our conversation with Captain Lewis Scrametta from the Ship Island Excursions. We'll see you after this break. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of The Ricky Matthews Show on your laptop, desktop, or your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. 
His passion and love for coastal Mississippi is why he's here. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. I'm my friend, Captain Louis Scrimetta from the Ship Island Excursions. Again, we go back a long way. But you know you know what? Everyone's probably got a story to tell. But in the early days before I had a boat, before I was anywhere near getting a boat, the way that I would get to Ship Island was get on your boat and go to Ship Island. And I remember once um, a girl that I was dating in high school, I never will forget this. She says, why don't we go? Let's go to Ship Island this you know, Saturday. I said, okay, great. Let's go. I told my parents, you know, we're going to Ship Island and can't wait to go. And I picked her up and we got on the boat. And after we got on the boat, she said, um, I hope my parents aren't too mad. I said, why? She said, because I didn't tell them I was going. I said, you're kidding me. You know, so the, so we're supposed to be on this wonderful adventure. You know, my parents knew we were going and we got to ship out, had a fun day, but I couldn't enjoy myself for worrying about her because her father was an ex-military guy. And (laughs) I was worried that he was going to kill me when I brought her home. And, uh, uh, you know, we got there. And she, they didn't even know she'd left. <laughs> I wasted my day. But man, I had so many, so many wonderful memories about going to the islands. I bet you bump into people all the time who have stories to tell. Oh yes. You know, I was riding the boat with my dad back in the '60s, and uh, there's hundreds, hundreds of wonderful friends over the years that we've made contact with, and still stay in touch with them, and. But your story about missing, uh, going out to the island with your girlfriend, how about the guys that missed the boat at 5 o'clock and are on the island all night with their girlfriend? How'd you like to dead the next, the next day? Yeah, with the bugs. and <laughs> Yes. Because when y'all ring that horn, or the, it, used to, it used to be a bell, if I remember right, but yeah. the reality is you got to get on the boat. I mean, how many people have been stranded over the years? Oh, it, yeah, it happens. doesn't happen often, but when they, when they do miss the boat, they're waiting at the dock the next morning, I can tell you that. <laughs> Those mosquitoes come out about, you know, right 9 o'clock, and that's, it's over with uh, at that time. But uh, those were the days before cell phones, you know. Look what we have yeah. now. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, listen, I remember I can of all the times I remember, you know, we would we would go fish all day long, then we'd top to the pier and sleep on the boat and you know, you know, always praying there's not gonna be a north wind. If there was a north wind we'd go around on the other side and anchor. But it, we you know, we had a lot of pleasant nights. But one one weekend we were there and it was uh I would try to remember it was not, it wasn't a couple, it was two or three guys, young guys that had missed the boat. And you know they they were there the whole time we were there. They were they they tried to sleep on the pier and we I think we now that I think about it we gave them some life jackets to use as pillows oh, so they could have something to sleep on. But but they were they were down and out because they were they were there. But and they were glad to see us because we had water and some soft drinks and you know, actually made pretty good friends with the guys because we fished from the pier during the night that night. But anyway, yeah, lots of stories, man. Um, <laughs> It's amazing how time has flown by, isn't it, Lewis? It is. You know, I remember the days back in the 70s when we used to fish down by the uh, old lighthouse jetty, catching those six-pound speckled trout on topwater mirror lures and topwater, you know, uh, uh, what was it, the other one with the propellers on it? Devil's Hole. Yeah. Remember that one? Yeah. Lucky 13 or whatever, yeah. 
I loved it with an ambassador of 6,000. You know, I'd do it between boat trips. I'd run down, and especially this time of year when those big trout were down, the big females were laying those eggs. And, yeah. You know, those days are gone now. I mean, you know, yeah. it's just, it's sad, the fisheries and the sound. What we used, where we were used to coming up, mullet, for instance, you know, yeah. used to just, you just see thousands of mullet around the dock every day. And now you, you know, you rarely see them. It's sad, really. It is, and uh, there are some solutions. You know, we won't get into that now, but there's certainly some solutions that we should all be talking about. I think about every now and then. My son Jordan is a quite an extraordinary fisherman. He was grew grew up on Back Bay, so he and my son Justin were out all the time fishing. Just fishing. You know, they one of the beauties of be, being raised on the water is you get to you get to go out and do that a lot. But he would catch a small tarpon every now and then in, in uh, Biloxi Bay, and once he hooked one about 50 pounds, you know, got a bunch Ooh. of jumps out of it. Mm-hmm. But that used to be sort of the way it was. There used to be a bunch of tarpon in Back Bay until, you know, the pollution from Shuduka Bluff and and uh, and Biloxi River started kind of washing, you know, that, that not-so-pleasant water down. Mm-hmm. But it used to be a different place, didn't it? It was. I used to throw the cast net just about every day out there and bring home, a, you know, the mullet and uh, but um, you're right, and it's well. It's you can't. You know, I, I don't want to get into it now. But overfishing, poor management. Yeah. The fact that we thought it was going to be forever. It was infinite, an infinite resource. Now we realize what we had and what we lost. I hope we can There's, get it back. Well, there has definitely been some refocus on the on the speckled trout, and you've seen some pockets of improvement. You know, you, we got. The watershed is a unique place because you know we where I live it's a it's a it's a watershed so fresh water can come in and you you can you can get salt water sometimes and it's got to you got to get the salinity just right but when the bait fish get in the back bay it can turn on big time in the in the fall we can have some really really good fishing still uh, I don't want to talk too badly about it but when you compare it to where it used to be back in the day. That's when you start saying, "Gosh, man, this that that just tells you what it could be mm-hmm. if we were not if the overfishing and some of the other other uh, stuff that happens in, in in Mississippi Sound that causes a lot of by, um, you know bycatch. Um, if that weren't done, you know, where would we be today? So I, I think folks are at least focused on it more. And then and then of course I think when the, the Bonacary Spillway and all the issues we face as it relates to that." What a challenge that was. Oh, God. And, you know, unfortunately, Lewis, I don't see any solutions in the, in the near future. No. Um, it's, a, it's a sad situation we find ourselves in as it relates to that. really is. And um, i tell you one positive, though. We are seeing so many Atlantic bottlenose dolphins on our trips. So they're making a comeback. And it's wonderful for the visitors, of the, the tourists, to see the dolphins in the sound. We need to put more protections on those dolphins. Mississippi has a wonderful, healthy dolphin population that live in the Mississippi Sound and around the Barrier Islands. And their food needs to be protected. We need to, whatever they're eating, and I, I'm assuming it's, you know, people talk about menhaden, but it's, in, in, you know, the menhaden boats overfishing. But we've got to focus on our dolphin population and take care of them. Yeah, I have the opportunity to spend a lot of time on this show and just in general over the many, many years, 30-plus years with Moby Solange and the work that he and his team have done 
which is really really important. And and the reality is, and I, and there's been some there's been some court wins, but but essentially the Bonnie Carey the way this works is that when we get too much water in the Mississippi River, there are a series of steps that are taken that are going to, uh, you know, be the goal is to protect New Orleans at the end of the day. And if the ultimate decision comes down to even though now they have to consider the impact in Mississippi, which before they didn't have to do, uh, if it comes down to bottlenose dolphin and oyster beds versus the city of New Orleans, they're going to pick the city of New Orleans every time. And they just there's some serious reengineering that needs to occur that's going to cost billions of dollars. And in a, in a world where there's so much noise, Lewis, I just, you know, we may not see a solution in our lifetime, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're, you're right, Rick. Yeah, yeah. So how's has has business? You got you said you're doing about 300 guests a, a day now. Yes, yes, we're doing really well and uh, very very pleased with ridership. And uh, of course, the weather's been perfect. Have you ever seen this cool of weather this time of year? I mean, it's been wonderful. You have that string of good weather. Now I don't know what July is going to be like. So, <laughs> and then the, the specter of hurricanes always in the back of your mind or a tropical storm. You know, once a tropical storm enters the sound or the Gulf, we're required to shut the islands down. The Park Service shuts everything down. We have to go to safe harbor, you know, the the marinas. And that's a hassle, man. My God, every year looks like we're having to do it. I I know it is. And what people may not realize is that Sometimes a, a a mild tropical system that let's say if, if the the eye of that whatever that system is moves say say take Bluxy and make that let that be the center and say it moves to the east of us and we say well we get a north wind this is going to be great the last thing you want to see at Ship Island is a north wind isn't that right Oh my goodness you know with a north wind when those northers come out in the spring it, there are days when we can't land at the pier waves crashing over the dock. You know, you have that deep natural harbor there in front of Chef Island, that deep water. You get these huge rollers that converge on that pier, and, and uh, it, you, it's impossible to land there. So it's one of the most unforgiving landings in the northern Gulf of Mexico. I yeah, hey, you, re- you remember, you remember uh, you, I think you remember well that I happened to actually be standing on the pier once when you put a hole in your boat. <laughs> oh, yeah. We got caught. That wave washes up to the end of the pier and punched a hole. Perfect spot, though. We were able to repair it pretty easily, but it's it's tricky. It really is. And we, we cancel a lot of trips. We do. But yeah. now we're, we're offering dolphin cruises in the Sound now. I don't know if you knew that or not. But yeah, I did. Yes. They're really popular. It's a 90-minute trip. It takes people out about, you know, a few miles out, short and sweet, and they get to see dolphins. Folks that don't want to spend all day on the island have the uh, option of the dolphin cruises. And we're doing our sunset cruises, too, every weekend, which are really becoming popular uh, music cruises. So we're doing more than just ship island. You have to. When the, trip, when the uh, pandemic hit, we were shut down. We had to do something with these boats. You know, we couldn't just let them sit idle. Well, you've been innovative. You've been entrepreneurial. It's a it's a multi generation business, the Ship Island Excursions, and uh, and you've been a you've been a wonderful ambassador for Coastal Mississippi. It's been a pleasure to, to uh, catch up and spend some time with you, my friend. Uh, good talking to you, Rick. It's my pleasure. Hey, this has been my friend Louis Scrametta. Hey, when we come back, we're going we're going to visit with Hunter Dawkins from the Gazebo Gazette. We'll see you after this.
Subscribe for free to the Ricky Matthews Show podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.